Welcome to Dice and Mind, a podcast hosted by Brad Brown and Jason Kaufman to explore the intersection of life, games, science, music, philosophy, and creativity through interviews with leading creatives. All are welcome in this space. So we've been, I, if I go back and look at our tracking note, which without you, would we, I wouldn't know. So our first episode was April 11th, 2021. Yep. And this is now October 30th, 2023. So well done. Mm-hmm. Two years, a few months. We have finally decided. Two, two, two and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. To change our theme for the show. We're still dice in mind. That won't go away. All Louis Louis all the time. Uh, yeah, there you go. Okay. Um, at least that's a hashtag that we can talk about on here versus the other ones yeah. that we were talking about. Probably but, better we weren't recording. Yeah. 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 Um, we wanted to make an adjustment to kind of reflect the change in where we were, go- where we've gone with the podcast mm-hmm. and to kind of go along with both of our interests from mm-hmm. a music perspective. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um, and we wanted to create a different vibe for those that are just starting. If you haven't, if you haven't been with us the whole time. And, um, and for those of you who have been with us yeah. from the beginning, it was time Right, people ought to evolve. It's time, a hundred plus episodes in, for Dyson Mind to evolve. Yeah, yeah, and we're at episode one hundred and four, mm-hmm. so um, we've been kind of working on it since probably episode one hundred. But we mm-hmm. weren't going to drop it at that point. We waited until, I mean, how long did it take for us to find the right music months? You, you, I didn't. You found it. I didn't even know you were searching for it in earnest. We talked about it. We were like, yeah, yeah, we kind of know the vibe we want. And then you sent it to me and I listened and and my wife is in, like in the next room. She's like, why are you playing music? And all I could say was, oh, this is so good. This is exactly it. So I was originally it. thinking that we could do like do host by Romstein as our intro. Do, with, do host, do host with, me. Yeah, with, yes, but <laughs> I, I don't know if that would necessarily fill the vibe we were going That for. is not entirely yes. what we're going for on Dice no, Mind. No, but that would actually wake folks up. Maybe we use that as our exit music, just or randomly placed throughout, you know? Yes, so yes. My TikTok feed is full of people scaring each other out of other people and their reactions to it. That would be an interesting reaction if we threw in like, yeah a James Brown squeal or something yes. like that. In the Don't worry. Of the episode. We're not going to do no, this. No. And you won't be Rickrolled either. No. So, no. but no, but, but we were never going to let you down. No, never no. going to give you up. No, Um, we would never hurt you. I yeah. still like that, that Rick Astley for president. Never going to give you up. <laughs> yes. Never going to let you down. I love that shirt. <laughs> <laughs> but wrapping it around. Speaking um, of the primaries. Okay. Yeah. Moving before on. we go yeah. into um talking about our guest um yeah. you'll hear new music throughout it's our change mm-hmm. just 100 episodes in we wanted to kind of just make a change to the dynamic and i think we did mm-hmm. a good job of it and i think i think it's worth mentioning like you said brad you know we, we've been evolving growing in our music in in very different ways you like seriously me like dabbling and the podcast has matured so much over two and a half years and we we won't rehash this we talked all about this in the hundredth episode but we we had no idea during those six months 
almost three years ago, well, three years ago, that we began planning the podcast, we had no idea we were going to become almost entirely an interview-based show. And yeah. we didn't. We had even less idea that we would have the opportunity, the great good fortune to talk to the people we talk to every other week for this podcast. And, and so it's all evolved. And now we have musical drops, which like you said, we're, we're, you're, you're all going to hear throughout. Um, we hope you enjoy them as much as we do. It, we, we still, we still love the old music. Ooh, our, our, eight bit, our eight, our eight bit intro. That's the just... eight bit intro is, it's always going to be with me. Yeah. But We'll do a retro. Maybe we'll do a retro episode for 200 and bring it back for for that episode. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, write that down. All right. Well, speaking of interviews, who do we have? This is is a cool one. And I never thought we'd have the opportunity to have this. Um, Going all the way back to... before Uh you know, Before you got into gaming, I've mentioned this before with Green Roni and I picked up True 20... um, picked up Freeport. Yep. Um, we've gotten the, we've gotten the privilege of talking to Steve Kenson, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. of, of, you know, green running fame. Yep. Um, but I never thought we'd be able to find a schedule connect with our next guest who um, is one of the founders of, Green Ronin and one one of yeah. our favorite companies. That's right. And this is so again, no no disparagement meant to Steve or certainly our friend of the podcast, uh Malcolm. Malcolm Shepard, right? We are grateful for all of you. And Malcolm, you are coming back. It's just a matter of time. Um, but this is someone you, Brad, have been talking about with me behind the scenes, as it were, behind the fourth wall almost since we started interviewing yeah uh, i'm way way back and uh and yeah i think this maybe more for you than for me but for both of us this really felt like a coup because yeah chris premis the the founder and president of green ronin he um he took the time to talk to us and we've been curious to pick his brain for i mean how long you i mean you've known about him for my god how many years and and we had the and we've been very lucky um <clears throat> troy hewitt at green ronin um we've always been able to uh, troy's been so gracious with just us a great guy and, yeah and helping us to coordinate um having malcolm and steve and now chris yeah. on so yeah. i want to i want to call out troy for yeah um, and he's also the one that invited me on to. I was just going to say, let's not forget the, that you are a luminary. Yeah, thanks, luminary. Troy. For I thanks, mean, Troy. That's I, all sorts of fodder that Jason has now. To I mean, my yeah. God, the the opportunity every other week to bask in the glow of your luminosity when we talk about these things. It just is, as I bask in the glow it, of someone, it is an point. honor and a privilege, Brad. Well, well. <laughs> It is for me as well, since I am now on a podcast with a published author of a book that is out on Amazon that you can get leadership and Star Trek lessons from the captain's chair by Jason L. Kaufman and Aaron M. Peterson. Um, Sounds intriguing. I should. So luminary published author, not that you weren't published beforehand, but truly. Yeah, this is different. Yeah, this is different. 
Um, now, if anyone asks, have, I don't have to have, explain. We have we've gone from zero street cred to a a little bit tiny little, little <laughs> right. sliver of it. Yeah, and so, we haven't we haven't talked about the book on the podcast uh, as of late, even though it it was published two months ago. But as this drops, but um, we pushed it so much on the on Twitter. I mean, come on, uh, you know. But but we will on that note. I will say we will be having Dr. Aaron Peterson back. Well, I'm um, going to interview we, both. Yeah, I'm going yeah. to we're going to flip oh, this. Sure. Gonna flip you back over to the other side and yeah, because because I think it's it's and again this has nothing to do with uh, you know Trek is a passion, leadership has been something I've been studying whether I was in school or not for yep. years. Yeah. Um, I think it's an interesting topic. We've talked about it before. Topic. Yep. But we are actually interviewing a leader today. Right. I mean, this um, is the thing we're getting these people right. We we've we've talked with Chris Birch of Modifius. Yep. We have talked with Matthew Spring of Sprange. Well, every time, Matthew, forgive me. Every time. Mm -hmm. I am terrible with names. Matthew Sprange of Chaosium. And now find Mongoose. Mongoose. What did I just say? Chaosium. Chaosium. Uh, Never mind that. This is not my... Wow. Wow. This This is almost as bad as when you deleted the episode. I almost... Uh, I am powerfully tempted to edit this out, but for the sake of transparency, I won't. I'll give you that one. Um, but Matthew, Matthew Spring of Mo- Spring of Mongoose, and now finally Chris Premus of Green Ronin. I mean, um, I, I call these gentlemen out because this is about leadership, mm-hmm. right? And we wanted to know about the leadership of their companies, about their style of leadership. And so this is for us both a perennial topic of interest and a perennial topic of discussion uh, on on the show. Yeah. So um very excited to have talked with Chris. Mm-hmm. I think you'll find it a great episode talking about the history of his history, the history of Green Ronin, um, and where they're going. Chris Premus is an award-winning game designer, writer, and publisher. He is best known as the designer of Dragon Age RPG and Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay 2nd Edition, and as the founder and president of Green Ronin Publishing. He has been a creative director at Wizards of the Coast and Flying Lab Software, and wrote a series of books about fantasy warfare for Offspray Publishing. Green Ronin continues to thrive under his leadership, publishing role-playing games like The Expanse, Mutants and Masterminds, Blue Rose, and Modern Age. So we are, I mean, this is actually like a joy for both of us because we've been trying to to find a way to get on your radar for a while to talk with you, Chris. So this is Chris Pramus from Green Ronin. Chris, thanks for joining us tonight. We really yeah. appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, when when Brad says that, we should I should clarify. Like we, you know, we've been doing Dice and Mine now for a while. By the time this interview drops, we'll be well past well past our hundredth episode and we've been at this for i don't know two and a half years at this point um in the six months leading up to are we really going to even do this podcast thing uh it was you you chris were on brad's radar from the beginning you because we've had a we've both had a mutual fascination for a long time obviously it's it's funny how i did I didn't go down the fanboy route before well, we get recorded, so I I'm, apologize. But this I, is <laughs> this is true. So I'm going to give you your moment because you really yeah. you've you especially you Brett have been fascinated with Green Ronin. I mean, we've been so lucky to to have Malcolm on the show a few times and to chat with Troy a bunch online. And you are now apparently a, a luminary 
um, cards in the mail. But, uh, I mean, we've been so taken with Green Ronin's games, and Brad introduced me to all of them. I mean, Brad, you had fallen in love with Fantasy Age and now 2, and, and I mean, I we both we were playing Modern Age, so it, this is very cool. We, we wanted to pick your brain for a long time. All right. Well, my brain, such as it is. is <laughs> <laughs> Good. Then we're we're three peas in a pod. Hey, yeah. so um, for for those that don't know, how did you get to a point through your career, whatever the case is, that no. you, you know, that you found a green money? Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, in brief, I um, I started in the industry just as a freelance writer. Um, and I've been doing that for a couple of years when I, um, probably foolishly started my first company, uh, which was just called Ronin Publishing. Um, and it was a learning experience, but not a successful company. Um, and while that was going on, um, I moved to Seattle, um, and, uh, ended up getting a job at Wizards of the Coast. And I worked there for four years, um, and uh, Ronin Publishing kind of fizzled out during that period. And um, when the whole OGL and D20 license stuff was being discussed mm-hmm. um, in one of the meetings, you know, Wizards was, I mean, their attitude basically was like, it's hard for us to do short adventures profitably, you know, because we can't pivot quickly. So mm-hmm. we're hoping that third-party companies will will pick up and do that sort of thing and i was like well you know i could be flexible (laughs) so um i decided to start gunarneen on the side um in 2000 so um we published a beer and pretzels game called orc a role-playing game in july of 2000 uh later updated by malcolm into a second edition a few years ago um, and then uh, we did Death in Freeport, which was the, one of the very first D20 modules. And that's what really like put us on the map. Uh-huh. So for a couple of years, I was doing this on the side while still working at Wizards. Um, and, uh, and then uh, Hasbro bought the company uh-huh. in 2000. Um, and after that, there was like a succession of layoffs and uh i survived several rounds of them but eventually my ticket got punched uh which was in like march of 2002 uh and at that point i just decided uh well things are going well enough with the new company that i will just do that um and uh other than some years uh working on video games um mmos specifically um i've just been doing this ever since why um why ronin why green ronin um well uh, although in japan you know it like in period ronin was not a a desirable thing to be because you know you had no master and it was shameful uh but for me it it hit that um that punk note um and you know like I'm I'm an old time punk from the '80s, and so you know, it was the like, yeah, I don't need a master, screw you. So, <laughs> <laughs> that was basically the idea. Um, so um, yeah, uh, when I was starting the new company, I mean, the reason I kind of riffed off the old one yeah. was, in retrospect, like classic premise overthinking because <laughs> I wanted people to understand that it was me and my company without calling it Chris Premise Games. Yeah, and so, yeah. Since industry people knew me from Ronin Publishing, I figured mm. 
you know, I'll use Green Renine because that was my screen name at the time. Oh, Again, massive oversight. Awesome. Probably should have just called it Chris Prentice Games, but there you go. So. No, that's great. That's perfect. Yeah. Hey, just sidebar. What, if you don't mind, MMOs, what MMOs did you work on? Um, I spent three years working on a pirate MMO, uh, which is shocking to Freeport fans, I know. Uh, it was called Pirates of the Burning Sea from a local Seattle company called Flying Lab Software, cool. since out of business. Um, and, uh, you know, it was fun to write pirate stuff. Um, I became the creative director eventually, but uh, that company was not well run. And yeah. while the game did finally come out, it was not successful. <laughs> so, uh, and then I spent... Um, 10 months in Austin in um, 2010-2011 working on a Warhammer 40k MMO uh, that never came out. Um, And uh, um, it was from um, what's the parent? It was Vigil Games was the studio, but they were owned by THQ. Um, And that whole thing was a clusterfuck from start to finish. Um, so, <laughs> um, they, you know, they hired me to be the lore master, and then they didn't want to listen to me when I told them things. So, um, oh, interesting. Yeah. So anyway, they didn't, they didn't like your lore. <laughs> they didn't like the lore, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, you know, I I got an apartment down there for ten months, figuring I'd see how it was, and yeah. you know. It was good. I, you know, maybe the family could move down. Uh, and then, you know, when I talked to them, they're saying, like, oh, you know, my lease is coming up. And, you know, when I started, there was some mention of me being able to telecommute. So, you know, could I move back to Seattle but still do the job? And they were like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, this is video games, right? And they're like, it's computers, and I'm a writer, and I can write from anywhere um but anyway so i just quit at that point which turned out to be good because six months later like most of my team was laid off uh and then like six months after that thq declared bankruptcy Mm. and my studio was hoping that they'd get snapped up by some other studio as like a fully functioning studio that somebody could just buy off the rack yeah but no one did so everyone lost their jobs overnight with no severance or nothing so uh that's terrible yeah all that work i did for 10 months it's just in in the ether now so so before we jump forward i wonder if we might jump back because this this really i think always fascinates both of us what brought you to writing what brought you to gaming maybe those are related maybe they're not um well um so it basically it goes back to when i was 10 years old um and uh you know i've been reading some fantasy stuff before that um but you know i was young and i was dabbling but when i was 10 um i read lord of the rings for the first time um and i also got into playing D &D and essentially you know those were two things that Mm-hmm. ended up changing my life um, yeah. putting me on the path that I'm on today so you know I first started thinking about um, writing game stuff uh, when I became a Dragon Magazine subscriber and at the time my ambition you know was no greater than like maybe I could publish an article in Dragon Magazine right you know? yeah um, which I eventually did but um uh, but yeah, that was the start of it. And, then, and uh, you know, when I was in college, I started 
sniffing around <laughs> for freelance work. And, mm -hmm. and so that that's how I ended up getting started. And at that point, it was just a dream to actually do this full time. Like there are very few full time RPG yeah. RPG jobs. I mean, yeah. even now, honestly, but you know, certainly back then. Um, so uh, you know, I was still working in coffee shops and stuff like that um, when I started my freelance career. Um, so you know, when I did get hired at Wizards, even though I was hired in at like. $32,000 a year from the biggest company in the industry. Like it still seemed yeah. like I yeah. struck it rich. Like, woohoo, <laughs> I get to write D&D. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to pay me. Yeah. Wow. So, so obviously started Greed I knew of, I, Freeport came to my attention a number of years back. And then um, uh, what really caught my attention was going to a game store. This has to be about 12, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. and picking up true 20 oh yeah, yeah. um mm -hmm. and then obviously after true 20 you know i saw you know i saw the the your imprint and then fantasy age not long after that i picked up as well what was kind of the genesis in you deciding to kind of go down um kind of your own path and designing your own i mean true mm -hmm. 20 is obviously an offshoot of, of d20 yeah. age is kind of its own thing now you know age became its mm -hmm. own thing um yeah. How did that all kind of, what was the genesis of that? Uh, well, two things. Um, first, there was fourth edition D&D. Um, and people kind of forget this now, but that was the first attempt to cancel the OGL. Um, so with fourth edition, they um, released something called the GSL, which was the game system license. And initially, they wanted companies like us to pay like $5,000 up front, you know, for the right to be able to publish compatible material. And, you know, people had been publishing stuff for like eight years by that point. So there was a lot of hostility to that idea. <laughs> and so, um, so they eventually dropped the monetary requirement. But, you know, the whole pool had kind of been soured by then. Right. And, um, you know, there were a lot of companies that had kind of made it through um, like the glut of products and then like kind of the die off that happened um, that just kind of, you know, faded out of existence at that point um, because of the whole GSL business and people who stuck around, you know, um, certainly learned the lesson that you shouldn't put all your eggs in that basket um, right. because at the end of the day, D&D is owned by wizards and you know, Wizards is a big company and they don't have your uh, best interests at heart, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day. Um, so, um, so yeah, we, you know, we had, by that point, Mutants and Masterminds was already its own game system and had been going since like 2002. So we already had that. And then in like 2005, um, we were working with Games Workshop on the second edition of Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, which I was the lead designer on. Um, and so, you know, we had already been branching out into other things. So there was that impetus. Um, and then the other thing was that, uh, that Bioware came to us, actually, and said, hey, oh. you know, we're working on the spiritual successor to Baldur's Gate. And because of, oh, wow. you know, the uh, the connection with D&D, &D, we thought yeah. it would be cool if there was a tabletop game that went along with it. And do you want to do it? And that was like the quickest decision ever. And spiritual successor to Baldur's Gate, hell yeah. So, um, 
So that was how the age system got created. So um, I went up to Edmonton uh, for several days to learn about the game and talk to the team and all this stuff. Um, and then, uh, you know, I had some design goals in mind. You know, I, I wanted to convert video game people into tabletop people. I want the game to be easy to learn, yeah. easy character and get into. And so all that led up to the Dragon Age role-playing game, which as soon as that came out, there were people saying, well, what if I don't like the Dragon Age world status? You know, like, are you going to do something with these rules um, that's not tied to that? And uh, and so we had talked about um, doing what became Fantasy Age, but we hadn't really fully started it. And then I got another phone call, and that was from Will Wheaton, and he was starting the tabletop show. Um, and he told me he wanted to feature a role-playing game on it, and he'd love to do you know, essentially fantasy age. And so that was the impetus um, for me to uh, to make fantasy age, you know, off of Dragon Age. Um, and at the same time, um, I and Will and his uh, his son designed the setting of Titan's Grave. And right. so when Fantasy Age came out, we had both of those books together. So that was like Gen Con uh, 2015, I want to say. Yeah. Um, 2014. Anyway. Um, so yeah, that's, um, that's kind of how it all developed. And then from fantasy age, um, you know, we did Blue Rose and Modern Age, uh -huh. uh, we got Three Awakens coming out soon, fantasy age second edition just dropped and fifth season is coming. So there's a lot of age stuff now. So a couple things that I would love to be able to talk about and you, either of you can just stop me at some point because I could just stop here and talk about this with you forever. Um, <laughs> well, no, I mean it. So, so, cause I was really hoping we'd go here. Um, first of all, the age mechanic, I mean, Brad and I talk off air, like we geek out a ton over dice mechanics. I mean, it kind of endemic, right. To the, to the, to the industry, but, but just for its own sake and the age mechanic, the dice system, it it has got to be one of, if not the most elegant dice mechanic yeah. out there. I mean, I've I think did 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 we buy our own? We did I send you? I sent you dice, cause I right because I Brad I bought the, a, an expanse set, and then I think I sent you the other half of that because we want to get into modern age. But I really like the look, the 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 expanse. I'm a sci-fi guy, so the expanse yeah. dice were just gorgeous. Yeah. Um, but like I would think, okay, if I were traveling somewhere, I just want to have some dice with me because, you know, that's sad. Um, I wasn't going to play. I just wanted some dice with me. Like the age, like those expanse dice, the age mechanic, that's the one I, I, I tend to lean to. Like you can do anything and it's so organic and it makes sense. And they're just really, really good looking. Other thing though, I would love to learn more about how, if you don't mind, how Tynesgrave uh, came to be because so... 2015 ish so i didn't get back into role-playing until around like 2016 ish almost 2017 and so i kind of missed right by the time i got to titan's grave it was like it was already done so i could yeah. go back on youtube so i missed all of that but but that was one of the things i think brad you had sent me you're like check this out because we're both huge fans of will whedon like right i'm a tng kid and when I, you know, what growing up watching that as a, as a preteen and teen, it was like, okay, you wanted to emulate Picard, you wanted to emulate Data. Well, I did, but it's like if I could have anyone's life, it's like 
I want Wesley Crusher's life because he's like living the dream <laughs> right now. I'm dead serious. And so yeah. then watching some of the Titans Grave and just, you know, getting into to Halloween stuff, it was like that was one of the things that really pulled me back into gaming. So I just think it's really cool how that intersects with what you and what what Green Ronin were, were doing back in the day. It's just really it's oh, just thanks. very fascinating to me. Well, I should take the opportunity to retell that story because I screwed it up. <laughs> Yeah, please. <laughs> there are two different things I did with Will. First was tabletop, and uh, that's actually when I went to LA and I ran Dragon Age on the tabletop show. Right, I remember that. Yeah, final that two episodes of the first season. Um, it was then a couple years later that Will contacted me um, uh, about doing what was referred to as the Geek and Sundry RPG show. Mm -hmm. uh, Geek and Sundry had done a crowdfunder to raise right. money for the channel and one mm -hmm. of the stretch goals essentially was they would do an rpg show and yeah. so that is what will call to talk to me about he yeah. told me he wanted to use the age system um and and that's how that all started so pardon me i know <laughs> that's so cool <laughs> two different things um so uh yeah that's how that started because you did, did am, am i correct you did you played you did you um led dragon age with will is kevin sussman on that one too yep. yeah yeah i remember because that was that's the episode that caught that where i was like okay i gotta pick this up because i i played dragon age a bit but i but i was more i liked the tabletop more than the online rpgs although i had my share of everquest over the over the years mm -hmm. um but seeing that and seeing how that played out um you know how did just from your perspective and experience, how did kind of the, gen I use the term again, genesis of that mechanic come about? Because it's just such a cool one. Um, right. Well, so when I was first looking at designing Dragon Age, um, I wanted to use 3D6 instead of D20 because um, the D20 is so swingy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a 5% chance of rolling a particular number. But so, you know, you have these, like frequently these absurd situations, you know, where a super, um, you know, super skilled person rolls a yeah. one or a two or a three, you know, and they just look like an idiot. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I wanted the curve that 3D6 yeah. provides um, so that there are extreme results, you know, on either end. Um, but your skill, you know, like there's a zone that you're, feel comfortable like right. you know i'm this good <laughs> essentially um so that was part of it uh part of that was also um, because i was trying to turn video gamers into tabletop gamers um i wanted to use d6 because they almost certainly had d6s in their house from you know monopoly or whatever um yahtzee or something but um you know they wouldn't necessarily yes. have d20s so that was part of it um and the way the stunt system came around initially was um i was looking for an interesting way to do critical hits in combat yeah um, and then i thought back um to a basically forgotten game that i did at wizards called dragon fist um it was one of a number of projects i wrote at wizards that was canceled <laughs> and released eventually as a pdf um <sighs> So uh, this was something that was meant to come out between second and third edition, basically like that, oh. you know, the three 
four months leading up to the launch of third edition oh. so to keep people busy for the summer okay. um and so it was a uh like a martial arts variant of second edition D inspired by hong kong action movies of which i'm a big fan um so that was the first time i designed a stunt system um and the way that one worked instead of having like an ability modifier like oh i have an 18 strength i've got a plus four um so i took that kind of idea um and uh and after thinking about it with d6s you know i came up with the world doubles get stunt points idea and at first it was just for combat and then when i was play testing it the spell casters were like you know those stunts are really cool you really should have them for spells and i'm like yeah, but you already get spells, man. Like, <laughs> um, but I was eventually convinced that you know, essentially, that stunts were the most fun part of the game. So to deny them spellcasters would be dumb. So, uh, so you know, then it spread to, you know, role playing and all the other sorts of stuff. Um, so that was kind of the the genesis of it. Yeah, I, I love. I just I remember talking about this with with Brad when I started learning the. The mechanic and that 3d6 and with with why well, I, I old school you know west end games but i still think of it as the wild die but with the stunt die right yeah. it it feels right it's like the stats the probabilities they make sense and then you obviously adjust it for the mode you're playing in like if it's modern age but yeah. that's my lens but it it's not swingy it feels very natural with still those opportunities yeah. Um, I don't know how else to put it, but yeah, just it it has such nice balance compared to most of the games out there. Yeah, what I was trying to do initially was was come up with like a dynamic critical hit system sort of thing. Um okay. and then, you know, it started as that and then, then it blossomed <laughs> into other things. <laughs> That's cool. It, yeah, I mean it, it took off. And obviously I love the fact that the and I mean you could do this with a lot of mechanics, but but I think when we had Malcolm on too, you know, Dragon Age, Blue Rose, Fantasy Age, Modern Age, then you have the Expanse. Mm -hmm. And now you're, and and obviously, you know, Expanse, there's stuff coming out. I have a book on pre-order for it that's coming out do. later in the year. Of course, <laughs> any, well, anything Expanse from that game, I love it. This is true. Um, and that was our, that was our introduction to the game was, was using the quick start um, oh, to play Expanse. Um, Wait, sorry. I got. I just got to to because to. I sorry. I just had to interject because kudos to the writing on that quick start. Because I mean, as a quick start story, that was like legit RPG lit. That mm -hmm. wasn't a fluffy thing, and that's hard to find. Because I remember reading it to prep with Brad and 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 calling you like, this is pretty hardcore. Like this is like legitimate writing like i want to be in this story this isn't holding back any punches that's pretty neat yeah um that was steve kent's and yeah yeah you know, i think steve so. is just Man. such a dare i say legend <laughs> like, we had him we had him on he, about again he was nice ago, enough to waste was, time with us yeah 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 Man. and he was just a, just fascinating storytelling you had and obviously you've had um Second edition Fantasy Age was already in the hopper when um, the latest OGL issues started kind of cropping and manifesting. Um, what's your kind of your your you know your take on how 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 have you seen the industry kind of react to it, and have you seen kind of the consumer base kind of change in terms of 
are they going in that direction? Are you seeing people kind of moving in the direction of fantasy? This is something that I've talked with Jason about is that I wanted to play high fantasy. I just, in no disrespect to other games, I wanted to play different high fantasy and I love the mechanics. So fantasy age was the natural fit. Mm -hmm. Um, Are you kind of seeing that just from your, you know, looking at things? Uh, Well, so, I mean, it's really funny because Wizards, um, you know, they gave other companies like the best possible marketing, you know, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so um you know we've been working on fancy h2 for several years and um uh it was neck and neck in production with cthulhu awakens which um yeah and we had, had to decide basically which one was going to come out first and mm-hmm. after watsi uh made everyone angry i was like well you know we've got <laughs> a new version of our flagship fantasy game that's almost ready to go yeah. seems like this would be a good time to put that out first so um yeah so we announced it in i want to say february so you know just a couple of weeks after the whole thing started mm-hmm. and we got way more press about that than we would have otherwise that's um, so it was like thanks wizards <laughs> <laughs> and you know there are a lot of people who've been exploring other systems this year because of that um now you know will it take a huge dent out of watsi's bottom line probably not um but for you know small companies like ours like we don't need a huge bite (laughs) you know (laughs) if we sell you know two thousand or three thousand more copies of something than we would have otherwise like that's great you know yeah you know uh, kind of in this uh, on a similar vein there if you're comfortable talking about it, I'm curious because of the perspective of where you're, you know, where Green Ronin sits in this arena. Yeah. Um. You know, like like Brad said, we've talked just offline. He and I talk a lot about this. Um. Like Paizo's Orc, just the notion of open gaming, whatever, and it may be existing on a continuum. I'm curious what you think about that kind of response. Um. Yeah, I mean, what what you're you're just you guys are so uniquely situated because you're kind of you're like you know you keep saying you're you're you know you're small whatever, but still you guys have a major presence and you put out these brilliant games, and no one else is wizards, but right. you know what does it look like from your perspective with all this going on? What do you see in the landscape? Yeah. Where do you think it might be going? Yeah, well, I guess really what we are is is like a mid-sized company. Um, uh but um you know com- compared to like paizo yeah yeah <laughs> wizards for a small company right um so um you know what paizo did with orc like was bound to happen like yeah. somebody was going to do that even after wizards just essentially capitulated the whole thing right um you know, people were uncomfortable that it had even happened or, you know, was uh, attempted to happen um, and, uh, you know, thought another license would be a safer haven. So that was some of the thinking behind Orc, where like Paizo right. doesn't actually own the license or anything. Right. Um, it's put together by a law firm and they own the copyright to it and so on. Um, but you know, they're not a publisher. Right, right. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, I think that was about to happen. Um, and it was a weird echo of how Paizo got started, actually, because okay. you know, when I was talking about that fourth edition stuff earlier, that's you know, Paizo like had started as the like the magazine staff of Dragon and Dungeon. Right. 
right. um, that got spun off into a company, but was still doing those magazines. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, essentially, like, uh, when they lost the license to do that, um, you know, they, they started publishing just D&D 3.5 stuff on their right. own, but fourth edition and, you know, the, the, like the huge difference between 3.5 and fourth and how that, you know, a lot of people weren't too fond of it. And so Paizo was able to rally those people and create Pathfinder as like a fork, you know, right. in the D&D road. <laughs> um, and that's really what allowed them to establish themselves. So essentially they got to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and mm -hmm. plant the flag of open gaming, you know, and and then gather people around. And, you know, they got uh, lots of attention for Pathfinder 2 and so mm -hmm. on. So, I mean, again, this is like Wizards really helping out. Cut <laughs> <laughs> their nose off to spite their face. Yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> so we're... yeah, we're going to dabble a little bit with Orc, um, but... Um, uh honestly i need to spend more time figuring out what our strategy is going to be yeah. um so um in the meantime you know people want to publish stuff with us um we have a couple of programs uh the age creators alliance and the chronicle system guild uh -huh. so uh age creators alliance uh, it's basically like the dm's guild if you're familiar yeah, yeah. with that sort of setup same deal but it allows you to publish for um, Fantasy Age and Modern Age, and soon, Blue Rose and Cthulhu Awakens. Cool. Um, yeah. That is cool. Where do you see, um, you know, obviously you're, you know, you and your staff are busy, you know, even with, we talked about this kind of before, the dealing with the pandemic and all the challenges with that and coming mm -hmm. out of it, um, you know, more of a fluffy type of question. Do you still have time to game at all? There it is. Uh, I do. Yeah. Um, that was actually one of the weird side benefits of quarantine um, <laughs> was uh, I'm one of those people who's been a forever game master, you know, mm. like in almost any RPG situation ends up being me. <laughs> the game master. Uh, and what was nice about uh, quarantine uh, was that I got to play in some campaigns. Oh, nice. Uh, and I had dabbled with virtual tabletops before that, uh, Roll20 and a little bit of Fantasy Grounds. Yeah. Um, but I didn't really like know how it worked well. And I suddenly wanted to very badly because <laughs> that was uh, a way we could publish material, you know, that wasn't in book form and everyone was starting yeah. online games. Um, so um, Joe Carricker, uh, or Blue Rose slash fifth season developer, um he was yeah. well familiar with it so um he offered to run uh the lost minds of fandelver as like a company campaign <laughs> so we could learn Roll 20. um and that turned into a great campaign man. <laughs> they had a That's lot of cool. fun and i got to play so uh so that was nice um and then uh the lion's share of what i play these days is miniatures games uh because oh. while i've worked on miniatures games professionally largely my RPG work is my job and miniatures yeah. is my hobby. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, okay. I can play and enjoy a miniatures game and not think about work. Right. Uh, which is nice. <laughs> so um, I um, I founded a club with some other Seattle game industry people like five years ago. Um, 
we're just all miniatures game fans. Nice. We've got a clubhouse. It's full of terrain and Facebook group, you know, where where we chit chat, talk about what games we want to play next. We organize campaigns like it's a whole thing. So uh, that's really been a, a great lifeline to sanity. <laughs> so. That's awesome. So when you do have the time, because usually the, the the this is the second question, but when you have the time, it's miniatures. Um, unless I'm going to run something. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like I'm going to start a, a new fantasy age campaign. I just because this summer has been <laughs> uh, very very busy. I haven't done that yet, but that that's my next uh, immediate thing. Um, but um, yeah, like mostly. For fun i am doing miniatures games that's good i was i'm glad you i'm glad you mentioned along the way um uh fifth season because we hadn't we hadn't even addressed that you guys were nice enough to send us um send us one of those uh i think pre-art um to give us a little and it, it was just i mean like everything you guys do but it was so cool um and just because i love the layout i i don't know why but i get into the layout of these books as much mm-hmm. as anything because let's be honest there is there's a fairly broad parameter space of how well these things are laid out across publishers, across systems, et cetera. And yeah. that one just stood out to me as being just really elegantly printed, laid out. Just like, like it just, that's how, that's how one of these manuals is. That's how a guide should look. Yeah. Just, well, yeah. That's all Hal Mangold. Um, yeah. Hal uh, is one of the owners of the company along with me and Nicole Andrews. Um, mm-hmm. And um you know, even like right at the start when the company was just like me, you know, like mm-hmm. a sole proprietorship mm-hmm. um, and, you know, with uh, Nicole helping me out before we formalized things and, yeah. uh, and all that. Um, you know, I knew Hal from the 90s when he worked at Pinnacle on Deadlands and things like okay. that. Um, and he, uh, Nicole did the layout for um, work in Death and Freeport, but Hal offered to do the cover design. Mm-hmm. And so really from our earliest products, like he's had a hand in the, nice. the visual look and, you know, now yeah. it's, you know, <laughs> that's his arena. <laughs> so yeah. you like uh, the way a Green Renine book looks, uh, most of the time it's out. Nice. I mean, it, it matters. I think it really yeah. matters. And, and the books are super clean. And, and that's, and that's the thing when we went through even reading, cause I have, I have the expanse collection. Yeah, don't laugh. I have I have Brad has a problem, but it's good for the companies yeah, he supports. Yeah. <laughs> I've I like books, I have a problem. Um I just the way they read, they there's a flow to them that's very yeah. hard to find um in terms and even tonight when I was part of the um the live plane we were going through it and building a character. It was just the way the nine steps to build a character, the workflow to yeah. it. So <laughs> just the the team that's there that's doing it all is just phenomenal. And you have um fifth edition coming out or fifth season fifth yeah. season not fifth no. edition wrong garbage we have done some edition material but yeah yes. fifth, fifth season <laughs> um you have uh fantasy h2 which came, the, the books i saw came out and you could buy them at origins and now um yeah. yep they're nice. flowing okay um you have cthulhu awakens mm-hmm. um and that's the stuff we know about that's that's a busy year unto itself yeah you know even without any other stuff that you guys have going on the prep and everything else that's that's skunk works and anything else. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. kudos for everything. If you don't mind, um, cause we want to be cognizant of your time, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't mind, if, if you'd be willing, we'd love to co- have you come back at some point and talk more about some of the kind of the 
the details and origins of some of the other games and just picking your brain just because now i now that i we talked about it, i'm gonna have to go back and watch some of those old videos that got me hooked up yeah, on the age mechanic to begin with so but yeah hey. we've got a, a lot of stuff in the hopper because um for you know since quarantine started basically we've had a lot of projects that have been moving yeah um, but that hadn't actually been um you know like gone out the door yeah. yet um, so we've got a, a bunch of things that are stacked up that we're nice. going to be publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, but also in that period, um, several, uh, like core rule books went out of print and some other yeah, okay. really good selling books went out of print and mm-hmm. we just didn't have the resources, you know, at various times to do the reprints. And so right. we're, we're just now getting back like a whole bunch of stuff that we were able to reprint so outstanding um, so the dragon age rpg is coming back into print it's been out of print for oh that's cool yeah oh cool we'll have that at gen con um it's a masterminds deluxe heroes handbook uh also um is going to be at gen con uh and then two other m&m books that have actually been out of print for a much longer time but they were like the most demanded ones from the fan base, oh, wow. uh, which is Power Profiles, uh, which is basically like a book full of pre-built powers um, right. and gadget guides. So nice. similar idea, but gadgets. Um, so that we printed all that stuff together. Um, wow. And um, the M&M stuff was part of a Kickstarter. Um, so that is starting to ship to people now. Nice. Um, and then we also um, have reprinted the Book of Fiends, which was uh, our yes. most popular 5e, D&D 5e source book. Oh, um, interesting. Big book of uh, of demons, devils, demons, and other outer planar monsters. Um, it's based on some original D20 books, um, Legions of Hell, which I wrote, Armies of the Abyss, which Eric Mona wrote. Um in the original Book of Fiends, uh, which uh, Robert J. Schwab and Aaron Loeb contributed to. So um, it's, yeah, so Rob Schwab, who's like a machine um, and was on the 5th edition D&D design team, um, he updated the old book to 5th edition. Um, wow. And it's all full color now, so it's it's a, it's a sweet, sweet and useful book. Um, and, and all of that alongside all the new projects that are going to be coming out. Yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it just reinforces now where we've been paying out and paying out and paying out to get all these things going, and right. now we need to right. <laughs> money go the other way. <laughs> right. Um, but actually, um, alongside Book of Fiends, um, we have printed the Fantasy Age Second Edition Game Master's Toolkit. So that that's going to be the first awesome. follow-up to awesome. Fantasy Age Two. Nice. I know I'm a I love the it's a masterminds game. I I played for years. I played City of Heroes, the video mm-hmm. game. So that anytime you could do superhero and that type of stuff, it's it I'm all about it. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, you guys are you, you're busy and I mean we're in a golden age of 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 RPGs right now. Mm-hmm. Just look at look at all the stuff that's coming out. I need to yeah. I need to update my job because I'm gonna need a little bit extra in the wallet, I think. Um yeah. Chris, that's thanks so much for. Oh, go ahead. So that's that? how I feel about miniatures games. You know, like <laughs> this workshop just put out 10th edition, 40K, and then like 
two weeks later, they announced they're bringing back the epic 40k game uh, in a new iteration called Legions Imperialis, which lets you do like Horus Heresy at an eight millimeter scale. So you can have giant robots and aircraft Ooh. on top of your tanks and infantry and whatever. And it's like, couldn't you wait? It, like, it sounds that? affordable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Piecemeal it, please. Piecemeal yeah. it. Yeah. Like, I, I can't afford all that all the time. I work in role playing games. You know? uh, Chris, thanks so much for spending time with us. It's, it's just a pleasure to talk to you. We, I mean, we're big, we're just big, big fans of all of you guys and gals at Green Ronin. We, we just love the stuff you put out and we love the attitude you guys all seem to carry whenever you're interacting with the community. We appreciate it. Oh, thanks. Well, thanks for having me on. It was a good time. I still think at some point we should do a Patreon and have and let people be able to hear the unedited episode where they hear all the stuff we talk about right before we hit record. Um, I because in all damn. honesty, I think I think and and again, what we talk about isn't disparagement for everyone. It's just silly, stupid, and potentially life-changing in a damaging way but um right right but that being said um <laughs> what a cool chance to talk with someone who um you know modern age fantasy yeah. age dragon age i mean man you know obviously there with with steve and the other group on true 20 the expanse oh. blue rose and not you know. to mention the history with Warhammer, with with D and D. I mean, you know, there there are certain people who just have such a reach of experience in the industry, yeah. and remain rather humble about it. Oh yeah, man, oh man, uh, that was yeah, that was such a pleasure to talk with Chris and to learn from Chris. That's that's the always that's the thing is is just hearing his story. Original company was Ronin before yeah, yeah. it became Green Ronin. Right. Um, that's why I'm fascinated when we get creatives like Chris and others on where we get to hear the stories that we probably, I mean, that's not information I would have known or probably ever no. have known without no having the opportunity. No, of course not. So, um, very lucky to hear that. Chris, we'd love to have you on again. I know fifth season is coming out. Mm, um, it looks really good. You know, it does. And so, um, we will definitely, um, have chris back again and i'm still trying to convince troy to come on um but he refuses he wouldn't even show his face during our um he's i noticed the faceless, that. the faceless wonder that's what he called i think that's the term sorry troy but um he likes that but yeah. we could try it we're an audio only yeah i was i was just gonna say i mean we are audio right we don't do video so, but right. chris thank you thank you again so much for for spending time with us and we are Big fans of Green Onion and the products and mm -hmm. um, their stamp and mark in the RPG world yeah. um, around DEI and everything else. Yeah. So um, we are thankful that there are companies like Green Ronin out there. And again, I say this, we don't we don't ever get stuff from companies. No. We are not adverse to kickbacks, but I think the no, point is exactly, yeah. that's not our that's not our deal. It's it's just awesome games awesome company yes. why why would we not want to keep buying their stuff and in any little little way we can promote it yes as we head over to the gm corner it sounds to me like you you have um a different thing to talk about but i'll i'll bring up just now yeah. is that 
um, I have been uh, probably a little over two months ago. I picked up the original Traveler by Mark Miller. I picked yeah, up that a is couple very cool. print on demand versions of Traveler, and I'm still enjoying those. Yeah. Um, I am anxiously awaiting the arrival of uh, Mongoose. Uh, mongoose's traveler world builders handbook anytime you put world building in it yeah i know we're there we are so there i'm there yeah um but beyond that i mean we're coming up towards the end of the year um we've been working on our um star trek new voyages our tiktok and youtube miniseries like or i guess subscribe. perpetual perpetual miniseries and um, and to be clear to remind everybody it, it it's really role-playing right we are creating a narrative around roles of the dice from modifius's star trek captain's log a beautiful it's a book. solo yeah. rpg game but we yeah. are using it and much yeah. like jim johnson has said in his podcast and his videos as well as continuing conversations you mm -hmm. can use it even in a multi-person setting which is what we're doing right we are writing our story doing our roles and then we're creating the logs, yep. the in effect personal it's or so much fun Starfleet logs, right. and then recording those either with our voices or with AI voices. Because right. so. we are, we are. I was thinking about this the other day, Brad. We are through our Star Trek New Voyages logs. We are playing Star Trek Adventures still, yeah. and we are writing fanfic essentially yeah. and those are two itches we had been trying to scratch for the longest time it took and it wasn't until captain's log came out that uh, that it's like yep this is the tool we needed i still i still give jim kudos for for being able to just keep that to himself for so long oh god and it's talk about a, mr nda yeah wow. and it is such a unique product i i i hope that there are a couple games that i like within the modifius family i hope they um, kind of take a look at it and, and maybe look at the idea of adding right. it to other games. Well, you you want a uh, you want a solo Dune? Yeah, I do. Yeah, that would be a great game. How about you? What are you? What's what's? Well, yeah. So let me or... let me change our vector for a moment before we wrap up. So as <clears throat> excuse me, as this is dropping, as this episode is dropping, it is the very end of October, and that means here in the northern hemisphere. Uh, winter, especially if you live as far north as we both do, winter is on the horizon. Uh, after this past summer, can't come soon enough. If you ask me, my wife and daughter well, do not agree. I'll but... give it. A, I'll give it away. The, at the time we recorded this yesterday, we had 101 degrees. Today we yeah. had 94. Yep, you're you're a day behind us. Yeah. yeah, it it only made it to 86 or seven today, and it felt so much better. But that said, yeah. um, winter is is fast approaching and it, especially like here in the states not everywhere but here in the states once you pass halloween then people get very much in the quote-unquote holiday spirit um and yeah that's an issue with the christian hegemony and whatever but the reality is the what whether it's the christmas spirit or whether it's just the holiday spirit or whether it's no spirit at all um, this is a time across North America and certainly much, if not all of Europe, uh, and elsewhere, absolutely elsewhere, where the nights really get long. Yeah. There's a lot of darkness. 
And there are often societal expectations of being full of mirth and merriment. There are societal yes. expectations of socializing, etc. Now, we we talked a lot about this last year uh, around this time. And um, Brad and I have decided we're, we're going to make this an annual tradition, if you will, that as the quote-unquote holiday season approaches in the Northern Hemisphere, we're, we're going to essentially take our December episodes and we're going to dedicate them to mental health. Uh, we know that resonated with a lot of you last year um, and, and even the year before. Again, we are forever grateful to Mr. Cruz, Wilson Cruz of Star Trek gonna, Discovery. Yeah, gonna, yeah. Uh, fame, just the brilliant Dr. Culber um, for retweeting something we had put out there on Twitter or X or whatever it's going to become tomorrow. But um, that got so much viewing and, and that, that, that's great, but it means that it resonated with so many people. And so, um, we are going to be doing that again this December. If you're in the Southern hemisphere, sorry, timing's bad. Come back to, I mean, totally listen in December, but come back to these episodes, revisit our, our, our December episodes from the years before when you're in June. It, it, it applies just as well. But this is important to both of us, I think, Brad. And we, we, we've yeah. talked about this for so long. And so the December episodes are going to, again, focus on mental health, mental health during the holiday season, mental health uh, during a time where the, well, yeah, the majority of the world's population is, um, you know, dealing with expectations of being happy, dealing with expectations of being social, uh, dealing with many of us the the dark, which I love, but many many people don't. No, and and for those that follow, you know, the standard, you know, calendar, it's coming to the end of the year. Even if you don't celebrate mm -hmm. a holiday, that's um, right. People look back and look forward at the end that's of right. a calendar year, and that can be a struggle also. Yep. So we're going to talk about it. Uh, we're going to talk about it thoughtfully. We're going to talk about it together. And um, and that's it. But in the meantime, as November knocks upon our front door, uh, we're going to call it. We hope you continue to enjoy the new musical theme to carry Dice in Mind. As always, be well, stay well. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye.